Hey, y'all. I know what you're thinking. Oh, my God. Not another podcast. And I agree. You know, I'm typically that person that doesn't listen to podcasts either. But my name is Will Johnson, and I'm here to bring something a little different for you. This is the At Homish podcast, creating spaces where we belong. Welcome back. Uh, whatever time of day or wherever you're listening from, this is the At Homish podcast, creating spaces where we belong. This is now episode four, A New Hope. I hope you got that joke. <laughs> Anyway, this really is kind of a new hope because I was reflecting earlier about what I wanted to talk about today. And oftentimes I think about um, whether it's a conference or a webinar or some sort of a presentation, people will go and, and presentations about diversity, equity, inclusion, things like that, or actually any subject, but people will go and all of a sudden they have a new hope. They're motivated. They're they're invigorated. They're just ready to go out and do something. And I swear at every single one that I've been to, one of the first questions, at least one of the questions that comes up is, well, what what can I do? Where can I start to the presenter? Because it's like so much so many things we want to do and, and people just having no clue and or not really wanting to say the wrong thing. And so. I've heard many different answers to this where, you know, maybe the presenter presenter will go off on a tangent and talk about, well, here's how I got started or, you know, here's something you can do locally. But what I want to share with you is the just the key of starting where you are. It's so easy to have these these images of things just being, well, I want I want it to be big. I want it to be the best. And it's like we we can only control our own spaces. We we have to take a moment and reflect on who we are, what what we're capable of, what are our values, what are our biases, what are our skills, what's our vision. And when I, when I say these things, I'm going to go in a little bit more detail here because when I think about this podcast specifically and having conversations about belonging, we have to really pause and reflect for a second and understand our own personal identity. I've, I've talked in a couple of the previous episodes about times where I didn't feel like I belonged or or how I identify. And I think if each of us reflect on our identity, we may have found ourselves in spaces where either we were more welcome or less welcome, our voices were, were amplified or silenced for whatever reason. Potentially, maybe it was because of being newer to a space or being from a different area or your age or just how you look, how you dress, how you present yourself and, and not being uh, accepted. But if we talk about starting where we are, really taking an opportunity to reflect on our own identity and the various facets of it. The other thing I want you to think about for a second is our, our emotions, how we feel about certain things, because how we, we feel in certain situations can absolutely impact whether we feel like we belong or not. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm asking like you're, you're going to re reply to me. <laughs> but the thing is, I remember when I first started working here in this community and people came up to me saying, well, Will, why are you talking about this? Why are you doing this? What you're doing is divisive. And I may have mentioned this before, but I do want to reiterate it's not so much that when something happens, 
that it's divisive. It's how we feel or think about something that then leads to a different action. So, so follow with me for a second. Something happens. I don't like this. Now, because I don't like it, I have an opportunity to either withdraw or engage in a negative way, which then leads to a certain consequence. And so when I'm self-aware, when I understand my emotional triggers, if I know I'm in a situation that might cause me to respond in a negative way, I have a choice. I'm not bound by that situation to respond a certain way. I have a choice of how I'm going to engage. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode with the incidents of some kids yelling racial slurs at me. Some people are like, well, I would have responded this way. That's you. Someone else, I would have responded that way. That's you. And here's how I choose to respond based on the outcome that I want in those situations. And so again, reflecting back on starting where you are, what are the multiple facets of your identity? How do you feel about certain situations? And now let's jump on into our our biases. So along with feeling, what do we think about certain situations? I'm going to go back to uh, the story that I mentioned about coming Georgia in a little bit. But when I was a kid, my thoughts around that community were that I did not belong. Okay. And so where are the places where you think that either, yes, this is my spot. This is not my spot. This is how people are going to treat me. This is how people are going to show up. What are you, what are you thinking about people who may appear different from you? What are you thinking about people who appear similar to you? These are all the things that we have to reflect on and how we're processing our thoughts and our feelings around our identity. So again, starting with where we are. The next thing I want to talk about, I feel like I'm rolling along fast here, but when I was a a teacher, I used to walk the students through a unit on values. And the thing about values is values are maybe I'm but an English teacher. (laughs) But the thing about values Our values really identify what's important to us. And so maybe friends are important, family's important, achievements important, fun's important. There are all these different things. And so when we can identify our our own personal values, then that can kind of give us a pathway for where we want to start and what we want to accomplish. So let's say if we value community, if we value community, How does that now reflect in belonging? What does it mean for us to create those welcoming or at-home-ish spaces? If we value just our own time, maybe that is what puts us in a space to where maybe we aren't inclusive, maybe we aren't welcoming. But now how does that manifest, whether it's in a workplace, in a family environment, or with our friends, how are we impacting that feeling of belonging or not? And through that self-awareness, starting with where we are, that's where we can really shift the dynamic of how, not only how we feel, but how others receive us. A lot of information, process that for a second. And I want to focus on, as I'm sharing this information with you, I've come by this through a couple years, (laughs) a couple years of work, whether it's my work in uh, education, my work in the military, my, my work with community organizations. This is where I've developed this skill set to navigate these conversations. I can have someone coming at me at any state of emotion. And here's how I can calmly navigate this because of the skill that I have. What I'm asking you now with this statement is along with your 
emotional triggers, your identity, your biases, your values? What skills do you have to navigate these conversations? What life experience have you uh, been through that helps you to navigate, whether it's a challenging conversation, a new space, meeting new people? Those are some of the things that we can reflect on when we're creating these spaces for belonging. Along with those skills, really now tapping into what is the vision that you have for whatever it is you're setting out to do. Every day we wake up and it's like, hey, I'm going to do something, go to work, uh, maybe go shopping, hang out with friends, but, but setting that path. And so going beyond that day, what is it now that you envision for yourself as a, a engaged citizen in your community, as an employee in your workspace, as a, as a good friend to people? What does it look like? What's your vision for your, your relationship with life in general? And again, now going back to your capacity, what I, what I see a lot of times is there is so much information out there, whether it's in books and classes and movies and music, so much information. And with every person, so many different options, opportunities. What is our actual capacity to engage in this work? Because I have to tell you, I've had a couple days off and I've spent time playing some video games and watching football and just kind of doing a lot of nothing. And when I think about the stress that a lot of people have in this world, when we don't have to do something, we're probably not going to do anything. And so really looking at what's our capacity for either when we have to do something or not have to do something, what, what is it that we're going to do? All of that to say is really important to understand what, what self-efficacy is. So I'm going back to the question of after a conference, after a workshop, after a webinar, what is it that I can do? Really understanding the combination of your identity, your emotions, your biases, your values, your skills, your vision, and your capacity to understand what change you actually can make within the world, what you're able to accomplish within your community. When you're aware of these things, it's important that you align yourself in ways which fulfill you and allow you to work actively to identify these situations and also to identify situations that did not work for you. One way of doing this is to draft a personal mission statement. A couple of years ago, I was at a conference and I was asked, along with other participants, like, what is your mission statement? And I had to think about it for a second, and it pretty much fits what I have in my signature block. It's Hawaiian. But the, the mes message is basically always bring something with you and strive to be your best. And so what I want from every encounter I have with people is that, and it's not to be like conceited, like I'm all that, but for anyone who interacts with me, I want them to leave better because of our encounter. And of course, that's, you know, as opposed to leaving worse, like, oh, who's that guy? I can't stand being around him. But I want people to, whenever they interact with me, like, wow, I either learned something or wow, that dude's cool or, you know, just just something positive coming out of our interaction. And, and that's that's it. That's I mean, that's that's my basic mission. What can I do to help people to feel better? So when I when I reflect on that, what's going back to the concept of self-efficacy Self-efficacy is really about believing in your capacity to do that. And I feel as an individual, and I think people who know me will back this up, I believe I do have the capacity to help people to better understand life and situations, to feel better based on our interactions. And the key to anything, when people, going back to that original question of 
what is it that I can do? The first thing is believing in yourself and understanding what it is that you want to do. Reflecting on that, take a moment to ask yourself honestly, where do I feel like I most belong and why? Some of those same things that make you feel like you belong somewhere that you're seen, heard, and valued are the exact same things that other people need. Similarly, ask yourself the question, where do I feel I least belong and why? And in those thoughts, think about what is it that I can do to change those spaces, to change how I show up to ensure that I feel like I belong and create that same space for others. Moving on, I want to talk about the importance of finding your tribe. Because once we've reached this, this space of believing in ourselves, having that new hope, we're able to leave that conference, that webinar ready to roll. Who are people who are around you that have shared interests and values? So you've worked on your values, you know what you're interested in, you know what your skills are. But once you find those people, it's important to take some time to draft an organizational mission statement and then set goals and structures for accountability. One of the things I feel that worked out really well for us here in my current job is during the first year, I had to write an equity and inclusion framework. And that framework was based off of conversations that had happened over previous years of who are we as an organization? What is it that we feel we need to work on? What does this look like moving forward? Let's bring someone in who can help us do this. And so then I, I worked with that information to say, OK, here's our, our mission statement. Here's our vision statement. Here's what we value. Here are some tools to reach these goals. I would recommend doing that same thing for yourself. But then again, whatever organization you're in, break that down so that the people around you understand. Here's what our goals are. I want to be real specific in identifying those goals. Because oftentimes when we talk about belonging and in the vein of the conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion, many people may say, well, we we need to diversify our staff. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not. (laughs) But I will also say that one of the concerns with that is, or recognizing, that's not always within your control. We can't always control who chooses to come into an environment and stay there. What we can do, however, and this is, again, identifying your goals, how can we now empower the people who are currently in a space? Those are two totally different focuses. And if someone's focused on we need new people as opposed to empowering people, you're going to kind of have you're going to have some conflict there. And so really being clear on what you want to accomplish and why you want to accomplish that understanding your goals. And that goes into collective efficacy, a shared belief in the ability of a group of people. A statement that I read, it was a book called uh, Fierce Leadership that really stood out to me. It asked a question of um, how do we feel about our teams? So again, collective efficacy, what can we do together? But it asked a question of, do you feel you can win with this team? And most people feel like that most people will join a team because yes, I can see this team being successful. Yes, we can accomplish what we've set out to do. But then asking the other question, can you see yourself losing with this team? And that really resonated with me because, you know, some there are times that we're on a team and maybe we don't deal with adversity well. <laughs> maybe we will turn on each other when times get tough. But really going back to identifying the people in your tribe, identifying those shared values, interests, knowing that you will fail. 
things will be hard. They will be difficult. That doesn't mean you don't belong. That doesn't mean you're not supported. That just meant that this wasn't the way to make the light bulb. <laughs> but, you know, working with that team and figuring that out can, can really help you to move forward. So now building on this team thing, this is where I feel like I left a cliffhanger when I talked about this wonderful community. And I, I do mean that really wonderful community of Cumming, Georgia, where in, in 1987, there was a, a civil rights leader who was leading a, a freedom march and they were confronted by the KKK. And again, people were they were throwing rocks and bricks and people were spitting on them and cursing at them. And, and I remember remember seeing that on the news and I was like, I will never go to Cumming, Georgia, because it did not seem like a place that I felt like I would be safe or welcome. I mean, they actually clearly said that, like, you don't belong here. Fast forward to May of 2020. And for those local listeners, you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. I remember um, sitting on my couch and watching the news. And on this day, there was rioting and looting and, and protesting that was happening in Bellevue. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was saying to myself, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to watch this. I'm mm -mm, Nope. But then something told me that in order for me to better understand what was going on in the world and what was going on in my, our communities, nope, I, I actually needed to sit and watch this. And I probably watched it for a lot longer than I needed to, but it only took a few minutes of watching before all of a sudden there's this aerial view of a small town, Snohomish. And I'm like, huh, okay, this is interesting. Now, flashing back to growing up in Georgia, we, we tend to think a certain way about small towns, okay? So what was going on there, got to be honest, it didn't surprise me, you know? It was concerning that it was so close. And for those of you that don't know the story, there's a documentary, uh, What Happened on First Street, check it out. But it, it, it chronicles some protests that were happening when George Floyd was killed and then an incident that happened on First Street where there were proud boys there were Confederate, well, at least a Confederate flag, folks armed with rifles and basically saying, you know, not, not in our town, which made me flash back to Forsyth County and coming Georgia. And so I said the exact same words that I said about coming Georgia, that I will never go to Snohomish. Go ahead, laugh, because I'm actually recording in Snohomish right now. <laughs> and my whole brand is at Homish, is based off Snohomish. But it comes right back around to that whole concept of of a team and, and who I feel like I could work with to do what I had envisioned, what we had envisioned to, to really move forward and create a community of belonging. And so I'm not done with the coming story just yet. So... I was forced to reflect after being in, in my current job for two years because in coming here and meeting with people and, and talking about what it is we want to accomplish in our why, because in education, it's all about making sure every student has what they need in order to be successful. Who, who doesn't want that? Right. And so in having those conversations, people are like, oh, my God, well, this is great. How can I support you? How can I work with you? What does this look like? And again, walking them through the exact same things we talked about today in episode four of New Hope around how we can engage, how we can show up. But as people are doing this, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so glad that I, I came here. This, this was so rewarding. This is the right place, the right time. This is awesome. And yet I said I would never come here. So my reflection was after being here for uh, two years was, 
I wonder what's going on in coming Georgia right now. And so this past summer, summer of uh, 2023, I did a thing because, <laughs> you know, we have this thing called the Internet and Google. And so I decided to Google coming Georgia and, you know, just just kind of see like what's what's happening there. And I look at the, the city council and I was looking to see what was happening in the community. And I noticed that they had a youth advisory for the for the city council. And so I click on it to learn more information. And there was a lot more diversity in that youth council than I anticipated. Not much diversity in the city council, but on the youth council there was. And I was like, huh, this community can't be the same if this is what I'm now seeing on their website. Now, let me back up because... I think we all know there are times where <laughs> here's the picture, but here's the practice and that they're not aligning. But if these kids are actually here and they're doing this work, I'm curious, does this match up with who they say they are? And so I uh, asked myself the question, who could I possibly reach out to to get some more information? And I'm like, why not email the mayor? <laughs> so I emailed the mayor of Cumming, Georgia, and I'm sitting here thinking like he is not going to respond to me. He responded to me. And I, I basically in the email said, hey, I, I used I grew up in Georgia. I live in Washington now. I work in DEI. I'd love to connect some time and just kind of hear what's going on in the community. He asked me when I when could I come by City Hall? And I'm like, whoa, you whoa, 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 hey, whoa, 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 hey, I, I'm so backpedaling now because <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I said I'd never go to coming. That, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know. <gasps> Wait a minute, I'm actually going to be in Georgia this summer. I'm, I'm visiting my mom, and coming's only an hour away. I, I will see you on July 18th. <laughs> so we set a time to meet, and I had to do some breathing and, and really think about it for a second because I didn't know what I was going to encounter, but. You know, I, I felt like I felt like I was going to be OK. Spoiler alert. Again, I, I made it. But I, I, I went to um, City Hall and everybody I ran into, the, the receptionist who was there, people walking down the street, people were kind, people were friendly. And I was like, OK. Now, granted, yeah, it, it was like, you know, like 35 years after this previous incident happened. But that reputation was pretty solid. I was pretty ingrained in my mind that this wasn't a safe place, but it was. And so he and I had a great conversation. He's like, you probably want to talk about 87. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he grew up in that community, which I thought was awesome. He mentioned that his, his dad was a police officer. And I'm like, oh, your your dad was a police officer during that time when all that was going on. He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm just going to be real with you. My, my dad used racial slurs. I didn't. I, you know, I'm just being honest. I did not use them, but my dad did. That was part of the regular language around here. We had very few African-American people in this community, but the ones who were here, they didn't have any problems. But at this time where you all of a sudden had someone wanting to come and march here, then yeah, there were people who came from all over the place to say, you know, this wasn't going to happen here, which is similar to what happened in Snohomish. There were people, local people here, but there were people who came from other places to, to do that. And so I asked him, I'm like, okay, so well, well, what happened here, you know, when, when, when George Floyd was killed, he's like, well, you know, there actually was um, a group that came forward that said they wanted to have a demonstration. And all I could think about was flashing back to, to 87. 
Because I remember when it was going on in town and, you know, it kind of felt like that scene from Remember the Titans when all the football players wanted to go into town and coaches like, no, don't you go down there. That's what my dad told me. He told me not to go down there. And I didn't. I, I didn't want to have any part of that. But when people came to me and came went to the mayor in 2020 and asking about having a demonstration, he's like, hmm, OK, um, let's let's talk with the police, make sure that we have a police presence and that folks are safe there. And in talking with the police, he you know asked them if they felt they could handle whatever would happen. And they felt confident that they could. And he didn't. And so thinking about Georgia, he actually reached out to the governor, the governor of Georgia, in the midst of this George Floyd Black Lives Matter protest. From their conversation, they decided the best option was to bring in the National Guard not to protect the community, but to make sure those protesters were safe. And I almost teared up because I'm like, so this is the town where I said I would never go because of what happened 35 years ago. And here's this man who's mayor now. And he's honestly took over in 2017. And the previous mayor had been in office for 40 years. Here's what they're doing in that community. Right. And so all of that to come around to when we talk about feeling at homeish and having spaces where we belong, we, we, we don't have the best history in this country and we, we can take action to be better. One of the things that really stood out to me about that story was I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I will come back. I, I will visit this town again. And I actually want to visit other communities because there's, there's several of them in the news where, oh, this happened or there was this group here. And I, I really want to know what's happening in a lot of these other communities. But when I got home, I remember sitting down and talking with my mom and my sister like, yeah, he, it was really nice up there. I, I felt a little a little anxious at first going up there because of, of the history. And uh, I'll, I'll drop this nugget too. look up Lake Lanier and Oscarville. To, to learn a little bit more about some Georgia history. When I was talking with my mom and my sister, my mom was like, well, you know, I wasn't sure if I needed to go up there with you or not, you know, make sure you were safe. And, but I'm, but I'm glad everything worked out well. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And she's like, but you know what? I'm still never going to come in Georgia. And it just resonated with me that, you know, we can do things as individuals, as organizations to create spaces for belonging and at the same time, people may still not feel welcome. And so there's something to reflect on when we talk about a new hope. <laughs> I'm going to keep dropping that one out there. Yeah, what does it mean to create these spaces? I want to take another moment to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank all the people who have come up to me when they've seen me on the streets in the at-home-ish merch you can't say that too fast because those, those syllables don't don't line up well. But I really love that people who have come up to me just in seeing the shirt. One, you know, it's a conversation starter. And two, everyone's like, that is so cool. Wow. I really like that at homeish. I feel at home. This is this is good. This is a movement. So <laughs> get on board when we wise up, we rise up. Thank you so much for your time. Peace out. <laughs>